This is the Z Books Successful Authors Podcast with Eric Z. We're going to learn the truth about ebooks. Welcome to Z Books Successful Authors Podcast. And today I have I have my hero, my benchmark, one of the first guys <laughs> that actually got me into ebooks. Uh, I have the Grand Poobah, the number one, the head honcho, the big cheese, the big kahuna, the Muhammad Ali of independent publishing. I have none other than Steve Scott. Welcome, Steve Scott. How you doing? Good. That's uh, quite the introduction, Muhammad Ali of uh, indie publishing. That's uh, a lot to live <laughs> up to. Hey, it's true, you know, because um, how many books do you have, like 46? Uh in the 60-ish area, but you know, wow. some of those are test books and bundles and various other things that I've tried over, over the last couple of years. Yeah, and you, you published, what, like 10 per year? Um, yes, at one point I was publishing around 10 per year, like specifically when I got started in uh, 2012 and 13. I was like really mm. focused on keeping production schedule. I have definitely uh, slowed down ever since then, but I'd, I'd like to think my book's a little more in-depth now, a little more uh, actionable. So uh, I would say now it's maybe five or six a year at the most. Well, that's Muhammad Ali as far as I'm concerned. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. What, um, what was your first book? What got you into ebooks and publishing? Uh, this was probably, I would say, February 2012. I went to a conference and I kind of heard about the um, advent of Kindle publishing and self-publishing. And I saw that there might have been an opportunity for um, kind of taking my existing blog content and turning it into a book. So I did what the mistake that I, I see people doing all the time, but I made the same mistake that a lot of people do. It's I just took a bunch of old blog posts, threw it together, and it was something like 55 ways to make money online because I did have an um, internet marketing blog. And way before that, for like uh, six years leading up to self-publishing, I did run uh, an internet business that I was kind of able to enjoy the laptop lifestyle. So I was, I was like, oh, I could take some old existing content and throw it up on a book and then – I'm going to make uh, piles of of uh, cash and lots of traffic, and mm -hmm. honestly, the book really went nowhere. It wasn't until I published mm -hmm. my second and third book that I really started to yeah. understand the process and the marketing behind it, like the fact that you can't just throw something up on yeah. pretty much any internet property, including Amazon, expect it to do well. So that and was the first one. you were at the Air Force at this point? Uh, no, actually, uh, the Air Force was uh, – I'm kind of aging myself, but the Air Force <laughs> I was in – um, I left in 2001, actually right before 9/11. Ah. So this was this would have been almost 11 years after I got out of the Air Force. So I had a had a couple jobs that kind of never went nowhere, and I did have a pretty successful business from 2005ish to 2006, six, six ish onwards, where mm -hmm. I was able to support myself just from uh, various internet businesses. So we're we're kind of jumping around in the questions now, but so no worries. Yeah. All right. So, um, so we're in your origins story right now. So, uh, what is your number one tip for beginning authors right now if they're beginning? Um, I'm gonna actually. I looked at the questions ahead of time. And I tried to boil it down to one tip. I I'm gonna have two tips. I'm gonna cheat a little. Excellent. Bit. Yes. I would say the the most important tip is kind of laying the foundation. Actually, I'm gonna say three tips. I'm sorry, but I'm just gonna. <laughs> it's gonna, okay. Control and dominate the question. Um, <laughs> so the, the first tip would be to lay the foundations. Uh, and specifically what I mean by that is even before you write book number one, you want to make sure that you're in the right market. So you want to make sure that you're in something that is profitable. And um, there's actually a pretty popular book called Right to Market by Chris Fox. And 
I think he does an excellent job of explaining what that what that means to write a mark. But you want to you want to find an area where people are spending money that they're. I'm sorry. Um, what was his that, name? Uh, Chris Fox. Fox. Okay. Uh, okay. C H R I S and last name Fox F O X. Okay. Um. So yeah, he has a concept called right to market, and he uh, primarily that book is primarily written for the fiction audience, but I think it uh, specifically applies to nonfiction as well. And, you want to make sure that people are actually spending money in your particular genre or market. And mm-hmm. what the rule that we like to use is called the rule of 30,000. So you want to look at books that are around a central topic. Like I pick habits, but mm-hmm. if you're into um, the paleo diet or uh, dating advice, you want to just poke around on Amazon and look at books. And you want to find at least a couple of books that have under a 30,000 sales ranking. That's around five to seven copies a day. Which for me, that's enough to say, all right, this is a good book idea. I should just go with that. So mm-hmm. when I mean laying the foundation, just basically make sure that this is a market that people are willing to um, buy books about. Right. Then from there, what you want to do, and this is this is all stuff you need to do before even writing book number one. So the second tip I would say is you want to go out and create a lead magnet, just simply a free piece of content. It could ah, be yeah. a tip sheet. It could be just a short book. Something that you give away for free, and you want to tie that into an email marketing service that could be – um, I, I'm trying to remember the the one that's free, uh, Mailchimp. 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 Yeah. Yep. Gumroad. Mailchimp.com. I, I never use Mailchimp, but people swear by it. So there's that. I use Aweber. Um, there's Active Campaign. There's a lot of different email yeah. marketing programs, and then just give away that book uh, for free to build people into your funnel. And then the tip number three would be just to go out there and write one book after another. And honestly, I, I, that's really what I did for the first couple of years. I would, every time I came out with a book, I would just email my list, and it just kind of built on itself and eventually got to the point where mm-hmm. um, every time I came out with a book, I was guaranteed to get a certain number of views and purchases, and that just kind of mm-hmm. uh, so, laid a huge foundation of my entire business. So what do you say to the people now that – I mean I see this every day still. Oh, that was in 2012 in the golden years of Amazon. That doesn't work anymore. I would call BS to that because I just <laughs> launched a book a couple of weeks ago and it's still sitting around the 250 paid ranking and it's been a month and it's, nice. it's, done, it's done really well. So I call it BS and that's I really the only thing I, I will, which we'll probably get to in a bit. The only thing I, I did differently than the kind of foundational stuff is I use a little bit of uh, marketing uh-huh. uh, with some various websites to help help get some extra promotion. but. For most part, it was just leveraging our email list, and that's that still works. It still works really well. Is it that, that is that is that the Miracle Morning book? Uh, actually, I launched that. Um, I think I launched that four or five months ago. This was oh. uh, Declutter Your Mind. This oh, was okay. um, yeah. a book that my business partner Barry Davenport. She she wrote the, the majority of it, and uh, nice. I, I've seen I, all your books, but you've got sixty of them, so it's hard to keep them apart, you know. <laughs> It's a lot of them, and I don't want to sit there and just rattle off these book titles and make it seem like I'm just kind of trying out here just trying to promote every single book I have in my catalog. Yeah. So what is your number one tip for intermediate and advanced authors to take their you know their books to the next level? I, I would say from there, um, that's another hard one to answer, but hmm. what I'm starting to see that is the fact that it is getting competitive on Amazon, just like you say. Uh, mm-hmm. People say stuff doesn't work anymore. So the one thing I would really recommend is to start to fully understand all these di- different book promotional platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, there's um, BookBub, which is if you yep. land a BookBub deal, that could really be a significant um, positive impact on your book sales. And I would constantly try to apply to BookBub, but 
what BookBub also has, which is they haven't really accepted to a large audience yet, but if you can get part of their partner program and actually run um, uh, pay-per-click uh, campaigns on your individual books, uh-huh. that's a good way where you can take a book that's not selling well and, and generate a, a little bit of extra income for your books. And mm-hmm. another platform I would recommend is Amazon Marketing Services. And right. uh, Derek Depker, actually, um, he kind of got me into the way you can fully leverage the sponsored listings. And that's if you ever look up on um, pages now on the Amazon Kindle, there's uh-huh. a row of books just called sponsored ads. And you, those are all just run through the Amazon marketing services. Interesting. So for, yeah. So for the intermediate advanced people, if you could um, really understand your market. So you definitely want to drill down and figure out exactly what books are similar to yours, what authors are similar to yours. Uh, what keywords, that sort of thing. And um, uh, you and I were geeking out about Dave Chesson's tool. Yeah. Uh, that might be a, a good uh, resource for figuring out kind of what's going on with your marketplace. And yeah, there's also, um, I think it's Kindle Spy, does a good job of kind of Katie's, analyzing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Katie, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm terrible with uh, keywords. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell me about, guess, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I guess overall, just like if you could figure out how to do paid traffic, that would really be the best way, kind of mm-hmm. the, the 80-20 rule, that's the best way to generate a lot of uh, mm-hmm. sales, even if your books don't really have that many sales currently. So tell me about this. You just mentioned the BookBub Partner Program. What is that? How do you access that? Uh, let me, as I'm kind of filibustering as I'm typing in. <laughs> you can hear me typing in the background. This is a live actual and, thing happening. Yeah, and it's funny because you just mar- mentioned Derek Dripker, and I just interviewed him. And, and, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the sponsors listing is very interesting. So um, Yeah, uh, no, he's one who got me into it, so I don't want to mm-hmm. – whenever I get an idea from someone, I want to make sure that they get the proper uh, course, credit. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, he, he definitely has a lot more to say about so I would recommend anything he I'm says. I'm going to have to interview that young man again. <laughs> okay, so the website, if you go to bookbub.com, that's B-O-O-K-B-U-B.com forward right. slash partners, there's gotcha. an application process, and it is one of these kind of you sign up and you pray. And I just <laughs> – as soon as I heard about it, like five minutes later, they, they made a public uh, a press release announcement, and I signed up five minutes later. So maybe that's why I got in because I was like, all right, this has to be good. So I, I got in pretty quickly, but I know that they're taking their time rolling the program out. They're not just accepting wow. everyone, so – I would say try to try to do anything you can to get into good, good graces of BookBub because that's uh-huh. that really can make a huge difference in your business. Did you hear? I just I just discovered Goodreads is now branching out into something similar to BookBub. They're doing they're going to do the email promotions. It's brand new. Have you seen this yet? I have heard of it and I should have followed up with it, but. Uh, no, I actually, I, I haven't. I've heard of it. I've done nothing with that information. So looks like Jeff Bezos is getting on it, and uh, because uh, BookBub, it looks like direct competition to BookBub. So I'm going to be in there when they open up. Right now, it's only open to publishers, big publishing uh, houses. But they, it says right in their blog where you go to uh, apply. It says we're going to open this up to independents soon. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like you said, I, I would say if they're trying, if Jeff Bezos says we're trying to compete. Then this is a good thing. I, I would, yeah. I would, without even looking at, I would imagine it's probably going to be a major player in the space. Oh, I'm, I'm on it. Once they open it up, man, I'm going to try to get in there early. So uh, this is my favorite topic because you, you, you we're, we're talking about it, laying the foundation, making sure the thirty thousand rule, making sure you're in a profitable niche, and uh, so I'm really into book validation. 
which is just a fancy name for testing, you know. And uh, so how do you validate a book? Is this like a really go, no go gate or is it just your 30,000 rule or? Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I, I totally love the interview with Dave Chesson, but I ah. don't really I don't really do what he does. And I, I think yeah. like his stuff is golden because, you know, for for almost exactly that this is going to be a slam dunk book. Yeah. I kind of a lot of times I just go with my gut. And mm-hmm. if it's a topic I'm interested in and it's something I feel I can add expertise in, um, I will just go with a book. Now that's what I used to do. And mm-hmm. after a couple of books completely tanked, I'm like, all right, maybe I should figure this stuff out before I just go publish whatever I want. So what I am starting to do is I do survey my email list mm-hmm. and I'll use a, um, I think survey is the one I use SurveyMonkey.com. Mm-hmm. So I'll email my list. I'm like, all right, here are three book ideas. Which one grabs you the most? And I'll just have them vote straight up. And nice. usually the, whatever gets the highest percentage of interest, I will, um, I will just go ahead and write that book. Now, the benefit of this is you can kind of create very interesting, unique ideas. And a lot of times uh, some of my best-selling books just come from just kind of something I do in my own personal development I thought might make a good subject for a book. Mm-hmm. But then there's other times like uh, I guess the best example is I have two books. One of them was Habit Stacking, and that's something I do every day, and that book took off and made a good amount of money. But then there's mm-hmm. a book called The Accountability Manifesto, which is about building accountability in your life. And that book, I still don't think I've made my money back from that book. So those were two hmm. kind of – incidences where I'm like, oh, this would be an interesting topic, and I just went with my gut, and both had completely different results. Did so the one that it, didn't, sorry, did the one that didn't make money, did you poll your list? I did not. So okay. that's probably the, the process, that's probably the, um, the, the, the misstep I took in my process is not at least reaching out, and actually since then, that's why I always make sure that mm-hmm. I email my list with any book idea just to make sure that it's something that people even, even want. Yeah. Because I didn't do that, and with my launch campaign, like the first day, I'm like, uh-oh, this is bad because I know what my normal numbers are, <laughs> yeah. and it was not doing anywhere near that. I'm like, oh, oh. this is not good. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, well. <laughs> no, but SurveyMonkey, um, but they're not free. They're only free for the first 100 answers or something like that? Yeah, it's – it for me, it's worth – I think I – think, it's other – you know what? I might have been SurveyGizmo. I, I recommend both sites, and I've used both sites, okay. and I just – I tend to interchange them. Yeah. I know I spent $30 on that, but for me, $30 to run a poll, even to one poll to my, my audience, it's totally worth it because that could that could mean yeah. tens of thousands of dollars down the road. So I I don't mind spending a little bit of money up front. But and actually – um, Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. I kind of talk fast, so I do apologize. Um, <clears throat> and actually another service that I use is called PickFu, P-I-C-K-F-U.com. Yeah. And that's kind of an anonymous audience, so you can do the same thing. But it's if you don't have a built-in audience, you can use PickFu and then poll mm-hmm. them and get really anonymous and really sometimes very brutal feedback. But you want that brutal feedback ahead of uh, – Right, right. right. But I don't understand what the advantage is over just a simple Google form survey, Google surveys. They're free, uh, you know. You know, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They have nice – Pictures and graphs. I like pictures and graphs. They do it in, in, in a pretty little package. Uh, actually, truth be told, I just, I've never really uh, even heard of Google surveys. How bad is that? So I didn't even know that was an option, so I <laughs> well, looked into it. Yeah, they. I love Google Docs. They've got forms, sheets, all that stuff. But um, yeah, so uh, so validation is a fine art. It's it's one of the things I'm always going on about. I'm putting like putting it in my uh, my online course that I'm developing right now, and so. Okay, so you you survey your list, 
and anything else? I would say from there, I survey my list, and once I get a idea, and that, this is the, the beauty of having an email list. Mm-hmm. Once I actually establish an idea, I just ask one open-ended question. I'll just follow up with a second email. Hey, it seems like 40% of everyone wants to learn more about this particular topic. Can you tell me your number one challenge? And I just leave it very open-ended. There's no, yeah. there's no survey software. Just reply back to this email and tell me about what's going on. And then I have my virtual assistant. She'll compile all these answers into a single document. Uh-huh. And this is probably the most golden thing you'll ever possibly get because you know exactly what's going on in people's lives. Yeah. And this kind of relates to um, a book called uh, Ask Asked. by Ryan Levesque. Yeah. And he does a good job of like, all right, take all these responses, put it in like four or five buckets. And that's really what you need to talk about with whether a product or service. So I just kind of follow his uh, lead. And within so my interesting book, you mentioned that. I just got the book and I'm doing it. And uh, are you implementing it in your funnels? Um, I don't really – I'm, tr- I'm building funnels, but I'm not so funnel-obsessed as as you need to be when you have a $500 product. When yeah. you have just a bunch of books, I don't really feel I need right. too much of a funnel. But I am going to start building out funnels uh, for future books, and that's something I might consider. But um, I don't want to get to the point where I'm, I have seven – to 10 follow-up campaigns just to, to warm people up to ask them to buy a 299 book. I think that's <laughs> yeah. maybe not the best use of your email space. Yeah, no, no. Um, uh, before I, I get to the next question, one just popped up. What is your number one email list building method when you use the 80-20 filter? I would say uh, an offer in the front and the back of the book. Oh, and okay. once I build out this funnel, I'm actually going to have it frequently – um, mentioned throughout the book as well, mm-hmm. but it's going to be more along the lines. Like I, I'm starting to re- realize the value of having email subscribers. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to build small membership site for each one of these books. And uh, again, you want to give credit to where, where it's deserved. I know this is something Pat Flynn did with Will of Fly, and he actually built a whole resource section with all these different things yeah. and companion pieces to his book. So I think that's something you can do even with a book that only takes you a couple of months to write. Yeah, is you can sit down and create a couple little extra out that a couple of extra things that people will like and get benefit from and put it on a small teachable website. So yeah. probably what I'll do is every time I have a, a free offer in the book, I'll say, all right, just go to um, whatever the website is, just the resource section, sign up, and yeah. you'll get all these freebies in, in one central location. Yeah. But um, did you mean also a Facebook group for each book? Because, I mean, you got 60 Ooh, books. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, okay. I might create like a – Fans of Habits Facebook group eventually, but mm-hmm. I know – and I think you're going to talk about time management later on. I know social media is, for me, it's the biggest uh, productivity killer. Yeah. So I try to be very mindful of how I interact on Facebook because you could easily easily spend four hours a day on Facebook. So I try okay. to – try not to do too much with it because I know it just – I don't – I want to focus on writing and marketing books, not sitting on Facebook all day long. Okay, you just said it. So, uh, how do you pack more more value, more time into one hour? Um, I'm very much a scheduling out, blocking time type of person. So, I have a, a block of schedule every single morning to write for at least 30 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I just really like the Pomodoro technique, where you sit down and ah. you, you set your timer for 25 minutes and you you focus yeah. completely on the task and then turn off the timer and, and take a quick break. So. I try to do that for everything. So I try to get my writing done right when I need to write and market when I need to market. And I just schedule mm-hmm. things out. So whenever I, I'm doing a specific activity, I'm running a timer in the background and making sure I'm just focused on that mm-hmm. and nothing else. And if I'm not on Facebook, I have the Facebook uh, tab closed out. And 
when I'm not in Gmail, I close it out and I only check Gmail a couple, like once or twice a day. And even then I, I have a little autoresponder sequence saying that there's certain types of emails I just won't respond to. And it's, it's yeah. kind of a jerk response nowadays, but I, I, I had to reach a point where there's certain, certain things I just can't get to. And I just, mm. I, I guess the, to kind of fully answer your question is I just really do a lot of uh, time blocking mm-hmm. and I make sure to just focus on that one particular activity. Yeah, I like the Pomodoro technique. It's like a race against the clock, you know? Yes, it is. <laughs> Did the Air Force help you with that discipline? Um, I, I would say it was the start of it, but it's mm-hmm. been a constant evolution ever since I got out of the Air Force. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say when I went into the Air Force, I was kind of a knucklehead. I got out of college, <laughs> and you know, I didn't really put a lot of effort into college. And when I went to the Air Force, it did teach that kind of the, the foundation of, all right, you show up at your job every single day. You make sure you yeah. put in your work. And it really did teach that discipline, but I would say mm-hmm. almost having to rely completely on myself for my own income when I finally started um, yeah. having a full-time income from internet business stuff, that's what mm-hmm. taught me the importance of what's important and what's not important, and I really try to be very mindful of that. Okay, so totally tangential here. What rank were you in the Air Force? I was in E3, so I didn't really get very far. That's um, I was a <laughs> – Airman first class, I think. Was Airman first class. Actual... Ah, okay. Well, you were yes. above me. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't have a, a cool, long, illustrious military career like, like again, Dave Chesson. He's done a lot of cool things. I, yeah, I, yeah. I He's put in my major. time, but it wasn't really a major part of my life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I had one stripe, so you know, you're still above me. And uh, <laughs> Dave Chesson's an officer. Although he's, he just uh, left, right? He's going full-time, full-time ebooks and, and entrepreneur. That's cool. Yeah, he, um, he emailed me the other day and I just responded back to him this morning. I, I think he left a couple of weeks ago, so he's full-time. Yeah. He's done a lot of great things part-time. I, I can only imagine what he'll do once he, now he's able to fully, uh, immerse yeah. himself in the world. Maybe that's a topic for another podcast when we get on more onto the entrepreneurial tangent. But uh, because I mean I can talk to you for three three or four hours, but I I, I will not do that to you right now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, getting back to these self-published authors, uh, uh, us self-published authors, we have to do everything basically. So what's the number one thing we should be focusing on? I guess especially for beginners. I would say writing, um, writing and kind of getting books out there and. There's all these other strategies I've talked about. I'm like, oh, you should try this, you should try that. But I think at the end of the day, the more products you have out there, mm-hmm. even if they don't go anywhere, the more you learn about the process, the more yeah. you have to offer. If you find uh, what Kevin Kelly calls the uh, 1,000 true fans. So if you find right. someone who likes your books and you have more to offer, they're more inclined to go check out what else you have in your catalog. So if you only have an hour a day, I would say maybe spend 45 minutes on the writing part and then maybe 50 minutes on the marketing part. And I've started – How much? Sorry, how much? Uh, uh, like just say one hour a day, I would say maybe 45 minutes on writing and maybe 15 minutes on marketing, like as far as percentage when Interesting. you're just getting started. I heard the opposite. You know, Derek um, Derek Halpern and yes. 80-20 and all that stuff, and he says it's the other way around. Okay, everybody's different, right? But he's uh, – yeah, he He's says, in a different business model, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. I would say if you're um, – I would agree th- with that on one level. If you just have one book and you're just trying to build an entire brand around that book and there's a lot of people who have done that uh, pretty well, like the aforementioned Ask by Ryan Levesque, I think that's a great example of just he just put one book out there. Yeah. And that's probably a big funnel starter for his entire business. Yeah. I would say definitely for that. But when it comes to self-publishing, the model that I've seen that, that works time and time again is just you get 
yeah. books out there, especially if you're a fiction author, you should just your yeah. your brand builder is getting as much content out there that's quality as possible. Mm-hmm. You going to make any forays into fiction? I've definitely I'm thinking about it for November, mm-hmm. but I am not sure it'll ever see the light of the day. Or if it does, <laughs> it'll be um, it'll be under a pen name, and I probably will disavow it because I Have I'm you sure started it. Won't. it? Yes, I have actually. Um, I'm, I've always been a fan of fantasy fiction, uh-huh. uh, so kind of dark fantasy. So it, it's along those lines. But um, it's I'm pretty certain. And every fiction author I've talked to, they they say the same thing. Your first couple books are terrible when it comes yeah. to fiction. So yeah, I, but I, you know, there's almost yeah. like I say, there's almost that level of expectation. That if I come out with something, it'll do well. And I I don't want to. I don't want to make my readers suffer through that stuff. <laughs> well, I've, you know, um, I'm tired of nonfiction, and I did a, a book in Nano Remo last year, and I'm just hooked on fiction, man. It's imagine, it's just imagination, and I love it. So I, I'm definitely going to go into that when I'm done with all of this course building and nonfiction stuff. I can't wait. Actually, I got some stuff ready to pump out, but just, um, you know, other other priorities right now. So I think you'll get hooked on it. Yeah. I think so too. I I like the the idea. I've always been a super geek, and I've always loved the, the Dungeons yeah. and Dragons and, and fantasy. I, I loved that growing up. So mm-hmm. thinking up ideas and creating worlds—that's all how I spent my entire childhood. Yeah. So I'm sure I'd love that. I just I, I tend to, especially now that my son, I, I tend to have yeah. very limited time. I have to be very careful with what I choose to yep. spend it on. So yeah, awesome. Congratulations, <laughs> your son is pretty brand new, huh? Yes, uh, he's um, going to be six months in about a week or so. So he's, all right, he's, he's in, growing. He's yeah, getting older You're, before my eyes. What call it? A Pampers fever. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, the, what do you call it? Um, yeah, diaper changing fever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to books. Back to books. But yeah, congratulations on your son. So, so talking about books, and you have sixty of them. So, how do you sustain sales? I would say it's really is a combination of a lot of things. So we already mentioned it. Just continuously try to get content out there. I, I would say that's that should be the first thing you should do is at least set a schedule. I'm a firm believer in checklists. So I have a checklist for every single book I upload to yeah. an app called Todoist, and that's just the way I kind of manage a lot of my projects nowadays. Mm-hmm. And just kind of work through books. So that's how you spend the majority of your day. Yeah. But also, I would say what helps me is I have an email um, list that we've already talked about. So. I kind of frequently run fire sales, and there's ah. I'll be honest, there's some real argument about the value of fire sales, and that's basically you drop your your prices to 99 cents and try to get people to um, buy your book at a discount. So I'll find like a theme, like all right, this is a summer book sale. I'm going to give away five of my books for 99 cents, and that's how I um, that's how I generate a lot of extra income in a short amount of time. Interesting. And then from there, I would say, um, so you're, you're you're running your 99 cent deals now. Also in the background is you're trying to get BookBub promotions. You're also uh-huh. whenever you land a BookBub promotion, I've landed I think four now. Whenever I get right. one of those like special deals, like I try to promote that book all wow. over the place, like every possible book um, discount website, so you have a really good launch or re- relaunch of that particular book. And then also at the same time, uh, try the BookBub partner program, the Amazon marketing services, and just it really is a combination of um, of that. And also what what I do, and if it comes to the eighty twenty rule, I'm not too sure this is a uh, 20% activity that really generates a lot of your income, but I like to support my books that way. But mm-hmm. um, I like blogging, and I have a whole website that I'm starting to build around my books, uh, not only just around the topics of my books, but also um, generating backlinks to my website. I have my virtual ah, yeah. assistant. She goes out and creates Pinterest ads or, or Pinterest images. So 
Uh -huh. I'm trying to create a whole brand behind the books where I can use to hopefully support um, support the sales of every time I come out of the book or, or old book sales. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that's something I absolutely recommend for someone getting started, but I know it definitely will help me in the long term. You just touched on a bunch of stuff yes. right now. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Pinterest ads, have you tried them? I have. And actually, um, I worked with my brother on a few things, and he, he primarily does a lot of Pinterest ad stuff. So I don't know exactly what he's doing, but the, it works where you want to uh, promote anything on Pinterest. You want to make sure it's a good image or it's a good infographic or something that actually has value. Like if you've ever seen a good infographic, oh, my God, I got to share that with my friends. So it's yeah. not – you're not promoting a book cover. You're promoting, all right, here's a section of my book where we talk about the seven ways to – overcome anxiety in your life and it, the image itself actually has a lot of content so mm -hmm. it's stuff like that and then you would promote that particular image and that would ultimately link back to a page on your website that promotes your book so it's it's kind of a roundabout way to promote mm -hmm. books but i'm kind of playing the long game with pinterest ads where we're just trying to build up my okay. um, presence on the on the platform that hopefully yeah. in a year or so i'll have i think i'm almost at ten thousand followers now huh. so hopefully in the next year or so there'll be 20 30 40,000 so every time is i post it showing an image up that, in your sales um i don't know <laughs> and as data obsessed as i am <clears throat> i i see that i generate about mm -hmm. 10 to 15 book sales a day from my blog so it's not a huge amount but it's something yeah I I, i'm actually more yeah go ahead i'll say i'm more concerned with just building up my brand on pinterest and actually trying to roi at this point I have a super tip about that. Nick Loper has a big article about Pinterest and yes. traffic, and it's a very excellent article. And um, I, I tried it, and it, uh, I did nine-tenths of the article, and it works, and I'm really in love with Pinterest now. So I'm really mad, though, because I'm in Europe, and I can't use the ads. Oh, but, no. Yeah. But, okay, but that wasn't part of his article, actually. Uh, so for you and everybody listening, uh, check out Nick Loper's um article about pinterest ads so okay yeah actually um actually uh, let me touch on that real quick uh i, I would highly recommend uh checking that article I, I forget off the top of my head but just if you type into um google just type in sidehustlenation.com yeah, exactly. and pinterest uh, marketing i think you should be able to find it but i use it as a groundwork but to to really drive home the point i think it was two days ago i got sixteen thousand visitors in one day from pinterest so it it can move a lot exactly. it can generate a lot of traffic what you do with that traffic is really depends on what market you're in, but it, it definitely can help. Yeah. And they, it looks like they were built for sharing. Uh, yes. I'm not even trying, and people are sharing my stuff. So, yeah, okay, I'm going to look into this, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, then you said uh, you have a checklist. I, th I think I have your checklist book, actually. But then Todoist, is that the website that, that takes your $100 if you don't do it on time? No, Todoist is just – it's a time management to-do oh. list. Um, actually, it's, it's a pretty good play on words. There's Todoist, but it's uh -huh. not Todoist. It's To-Do List. Uh, it's a good management for any sort of to-do list that you have. So uh -huh. I, I kind of follow the getting things done models where I'll, I'll create a project for each aspect of my life and mm -hmm. upload, all right, here's the next action you should have. And one of the cool mm -hmm. things about Todoist is you can take a just a regular text file. So say you have um, a 70 list of things you just upload it and each one of those lines it'll create a little kind of checkbox that you just go run through that entire project and get things done and kind of the benefit for self-publishing is you can create this little um kind of project list that you run for every mm -hmm. single book and every time you learn something new you just update this list and you just oh yeah 
And then whenever you have a new project, you just automatically just upload the template and it just creates a whole, a whole that sounds cool for that. Yeah, I, I love it. And I used to be a huge, I still am, but I, I used to really be an Evernote, but I, I like to do it because it, mm -hmm. for one aspect of your life, it really just pro does provide a great solution. And yeah. I, I think I pay for the premium, which is like 30 a year, hmm. but there's a, there's kind of the, the freemium type of model where you can mm -hmm. do a lot of things for free. So I would like just recommend that app. And so T-O-D-I-S-T dot com. Yes. Okay. And I'll it's uh, and if you just type it into your phone it, or tablet, you can find it as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I like I like your checklist book, and um, I am I suffer under bells and whistles syndrome, so I'm always looking for a sleeker way to do things, and always distracting myself with these toys and stuff. Like Google Google Keep is a really good one actually. Uh, so. But I'm going to check out Todoist and uh, uh, try to, yeah, get a system going. So let's talk about your new course. It's an, actually you launched it a while ago, right? Uh, yeah, we launched it in January, and um, mm -hmm. we've been all three of us. It's uh, myself, Barry Davenport, and uh, Ron Clendenin. Right. Um, the two of them I've worked with books in the past, so so I, I, they're definitely great uh, people to work with. So we launched it back in January, and we're, we're honestly we're all learning at the same time about how to promote courses, and it, it's yeah. way different than self-publishing. So, mm. did you use Jeff Walker's method? Uh, yes, and this is what's good about it. Kind of as you evolve as a as a business person, this is the one area that I kind of just followed Barry and Ron's lead, and mm -hmm. we do promote it. But I think it's like one of the, one of the things that he recommends is a three-part video series, and then right uh, the like first piece of good good content, second piece is kind of uh, good content while laying the foundation and the third video is just a kind of a light content but also straight a promotion of the course itself so i did read his book i've gone through a little bit of his material but i would say uh, ron in particular he understands jeff walker stuff in and out but i know that's yeah. kind of sort of what we followed cool and so how did it go it went pretty well uh, we, were, we were happy with the numbers um i'm not I'm, I'm starting to become a little more uh, cautious with actually saying the, the, the numbers for what we saw. <laughs> I don't yeah, have to. All three of us were, were quite happy, and um, I like the fact that I actually finally was able to get a course out there that kind of yeah. goes through every single thing that I know about self-publishing, and we're, we're right really? now we're in the process of adding adding as much um, extra content as possible. Is, is every single thing you know? Not every single thing. Because uh, <laughs> right now it's at like 90 videos, my and wow. that's, I would say every single thing I know for getting the book out there and published. And what I'm starting to do is we're starting to try to figure out if we need course number two that focuses uh -huh. on author platform and sales. Right. Or we're just going to add some extra videos to it. We haven't quite decided yeah. what we're doing yet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that sets your course apart from the rest, 90 videos, huh? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, and if I'm going to be perfectly honest, and I, I try to be, be honest as possible – my one concern is we just put a lot out there, and we, we wanted to make sure people weren't overwhelmed by the process mm -hmm. and just stuck to um, kind of what they needed to do. So there's a temptation to just fire hose it and put as much stuff <laughs> that's out there. And, yeah, yeah. But I do try to be mindful of like the 80-20 rule that if there's a certain thing I'm not talking about, then I do feel that it might be nice to sell books, but I don't want people to feel like they have to. Like like we just talked about Pinterest ads. Like I think it's a nice thing if you have the extra time and capital but it's not going to immediately move books. So I think that when you first get started, you should focus on the fundamental stuff and then just evolve from there. Yeah. So any aha moments from your launch? Uh, aha moments. Uh, 
it is a lot more painful than I imagined. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of specific. It's been um, since we actually launched. It's been nine months, so I, I kind of forgot the finer details. But um, expect the unexpected. Expect things to break. Um, expect uh, a lot of product confusion because I know there are there's our course and there's a couple courses that are out there that had similar scope, and a lot of people were just confused about what which was what, and we they're asking questions like actually that that's not my course, that's somebody else's. So yeah. um, I would say overall it was very much a learning experience. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think of specific aha moments. Um, there is a value of having an audience that will follow you everywhere you go. So there's some people who who just read um, my habit books and they on, went on to buy a course about self-publishing and you wouldn't think that these are uh, anywhere related to one another, but um, yeah. you shouldn't be afraid to ask your audience. And I, I think that's, maybe that is the aha moment is like, no matter what, always talk to your audience and find exactly what they want and yeah. um, how you could best serve them. So you actually went to uh, non – well, what you didn't think were book publishing type people. You went to that audience, huh? Yeah. Um, I figured if I send an email out or two and see the response of people, it couldn't hurt. And there are a lot of people that were on my email list because they specifically want to see exactly what I was doing with my books. It was more like they, it was more like they didn't care about buying the books, but they want to figure out what I was doing from a marketing aspect of it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So maybe that's what – maybe that's why I was helpful. And there's just some people who just kind of – Want, always want to write a book, and they just didn't really know how to get started with it. So I would say it's a cross-section of those two types of people. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, cross-pollination or something. So, yeah. um, <laughs> what? A, but um, what about Facebook ads? We talked about Pinterest ads and, and Amazon marketing services, which is Amazon ads, right? And what, no Facebook ads? Uh, definitely for the course. Um, mm -hmm. We've we use Facebook ads a lot, mm -hmm. and again, that's kind of an area that. I kind of sort of know what Ron's doing, but I don't really. We, we, we make sure we don't try to trip over each other by doing the same thing or <laughs> micromanaging one another. So yeah, he definitely does it. Um, I have run Facebook ads for my books, uh -huh. and they've done pretty well, but it was one of those things where I was spending an hour or two hours a day trying to figure it out, huh. and I just didn't see the ROI on it. And I know there's some people that do really well with it, like uh, specifically mm. Mark Dawson. I'm sure everyone uh, yeah, knows yeah. what he does. I just found that for at least for nonfiction, didn't really work out that well for me. And maybe if I took the time to figure it out, it probably could be. But um, yeah, I, I tried it, but it didn't really um, do the, all that well. Interesting. I, I do like Facebook. Yeah, I, yeah, I like Facebook. I think the, the ad platform is, is great for promoting content. I just it's one of the things yeah. that's again, it's on my list. I just never quite figured it out. That's cool. And you need to take my course. I have a Facebook ads crash course and oh, I'm really? going to build that out into, you know, a, a big course. Uh, but as you can see, I'm, I'm spreading myself way too thin, way too much stuff going on. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So what would you do differently if you had to start all over again? Or in other words, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? I would say I would be Probably if I had to start all over again, and I would probably follow almost everything I did, um, maybe past the second and third book, I would probably follow the same model where I just find a market mm -hmm. and write to that particular market. But the one thing I would do differently is I just kind of picked a broad topic like habits, which mm -hmm. there's not really a defined market besides like uh, Leo Babalta. He's like the only one I could think of off the top of my head who actually has an audience about habits. Yeah, I would probably focus in on real specific pain points. Um, like I know saving money, I always use that example in my course because um, I know that's something that people are always interested in. And mm -hmm. I'll probably pick a market like that where I, I know my my wife has a ton of experience about that. Hmm. So I pick a real specific pain point 
and try to find actual websites that talk about it and authors and try to do a little marketing intel and make sure that there's an actual audience out there, there's an actual market. Because I think that's really beneficial when you try to scale things up and run ads and um, yeah. try to build a brand around it. It's it's hard to build a brand around something that's a little more um, kind of nebulous. And that's really what yeah. the, the habits market is. There's no real defined market. So that goes back say, to our validation, you know? Yes. Validation. Yeah. I probably should have done a little bit of a better job yeah. with that. But yeah. it also kind of gives me the freedom and flexibility to talk about a bunch of random topics. I <laughs> cool. One yeah. umbrella. Apropos uh, Ryan Levesque, um, he's, that's one of the big quotes in this book. I found it easier to make a product for an existing market than build a market around my product. You know, so, yeah. Okay, so you would do more validation. Okay. Yeah, def- definitely. Okay. Do you have a mentor? Um, I do not. I have a lot of people that I look up to. Mm-hmm. And I try to learn from as many people as possible. Like I have a couple of accountability groups, mm-hmm. um, my business partners, um, a couple of people I respect and follow online, like like Pat Flynn and other people right. as well. But I wouldn't say there. I don't really talk to someone on a frequent basis that um, that kind of guides me through stuff. Like the only one I could really think of is maybe my dad, and I I talk to him about business yeah. stuff cool. on a frequent basis. But that's not really a formal thing. I just kind of go with him yeah. whenever something's coming up going on in my life. Well, you know, it's what every entrepreneur seminar you go to or a book you read, you got to get a mentor. You got to get a mentor. So I've got it on my list, and I uh, don't don't really have one either. Uh, cyber mentors, maybe, or or yeah, benchmarks. I, I think you, you know, I think you can get by without having one. I I, I feel a lot of times people say because I've actually been approached on a number of times, and I do feel that a lot most of the time you can figure things out on your own. You just, mm-hmm. There's a, a beautiful tool called Google. And yeah. You can look up, and it, it gives yeah. you answers to stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a kind of a flippant response, but I do do find that most of the time you can solve your own problems. I think um, maybe a better or a, a better compromise is accountability partner. Maybe you know. Yes, I do 100% think that's that's important, and I have, I think at this point, like six different. Like I have one guy I meet every week. Really? One on one. He's my accountability partner, um, a guy mm-hmm. from England. And then there's another group, uh, including Nick Loper, another yeah. group that we meet every other week, um, the five mm-hmm. of us. And we kind of uh, bounce ideas off one another. And I definitely think that's, um, that's a, cool. a way to kind of get feedback on what you're currently doing. And that's a one a weekly Skype or something? Yeah. Uh, I mm-hmm. The one, the the guy that I meet every week, we talk over Skype, and then the other the other group I think is Google Hangouts, which always seems to crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have the same same phenomena there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So, accountability partner, that's another good one. So I was looking um, in Todoist.com, and uh, that was that one really uh, resonated with me because. Um, What's it called? Constant improvement. So you you make a checklist once, and then you keep adding to it, and then you do this for every book. So this is like your process. Yeah, um, and I find every time I launch a book or I learn something new, I'm like, oh, I should I should have done this when I mm-hmm. in this step way like 40 steps ago. I should have like started the process of building a Facebook fan page for my books or so. I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah. I'm like, oh well, maybe next time I, po- I launch a book, I'll do that. So I actually add it in the list and. I try to um, incorporate different mm-hmm. things. Like I'm just starting to really kind of uh, um, get a handle on BookBub ads and Amazon marketing ads. So yeah. you better believe next book, next time I launch a book, I was like, all right, 
halfway through me about to launch, I, I halfway through uh, my next book launch, I'll make sure to start campaigns right away and start to yeah. promote the books there. So yeah. it really is a very much an iterative process, and that's kind of why I like self-publishing is you could publish book every couple of months and learn from the process and just improve it on next time uh, for the next book. I, I like the fact that you just talked about Amazon marketing services because I've tried them and I was actually in the plus uh, for several weeks and actually got one of my books up to number one in the category, which wasn't a too nice. shabby category. Yeah, I got the badge. I got, I got, the, uh, I got the screenshot this time because <laughs> I, I did a, a book bub with this one. And it was number one for over a week, and they didn't put the badge on it. So I, I started a help ticket with Amazon, and they said, well, we reserve the right to put the badge on after several days, you know, to look at the trend and blah, blah, blah. So after I, I started the help ticket, then, of course, the book went down. I used Amazon Marketing Services and went back up, and then and then the badge they put it on hourly, so if it went down, they took they, by the hour they took the badge on or off. You know, it was crazy. And uh, so, what was your um, experience with Amazon Marketing Services? I like it a lot. You really have to do a good job drilling down on um, mm -hmm. keywords and authors and book titles, and that's kind of the, the secret sauce. You want to make sure that you're, you're targeting the exact people that would be interested in your book. And um, it's a little confusing because there's two different types of Amazon marketing ads. There's the uh, product display, or oh, sorry, there's the the sponsored, the sponsored ones, which I'm starting to use now, where you can do on a keyword author level, which is really it gets really granular, and that's what I like about it. But yeah. then there's a product display where it's just simply an ad that they show below um, <clears throat> a, a book in a particular category, so mm -hmm. you can pick like the self help how to category yeah. or, or something really like super focused. I'm I'm trying to think of um, time management as a category. You can pick like just the time management category and only show to those particular books, but I like doing it more for if someone's interested in this book, they'll be interested in that book. And just from a category level, it's yeah. hard to to really get that drilling down. So I'm I'm a big chicken because I, I like I said I just did my first one, and uh, but uh, I, I had several running, and uh, at first some of them go in the minus right. You're spending. Uh, on the clicks, but you're not getting any sales. So then some of them started right off with sales. So do you, what's your experience there? Do you turn them off if they get, if they're going in the minus too much? No, I, um, as long as I'm not operating at too much of a loss, mm -hmm. I'll keep things going. So they have, what's it called? The ACOS. Yes. I think it's the metric that they use. So yeah. if I look at the ACOS and it's anywhere 85% or lower, yeah. And that means you're not actually you're actually losing money on a book. I'll still have it running as long as the overall campaign is operating at a profit. And for right. me, it's like I'd rather spend a little bit of extra money, get a reader that could potentially go out and buy my other books. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's really what I'm trying to do here. So I'm trying to build up that readership as much as possible and get them mm -hmm. to join my email list and blah, blah, blah. All the stuff we talked about already, just get them mm -hmm. part of your overall brand. So one thing I noticed about Amazon ads is that they're very slow moving. You start an ad and it takes days. Yes. Or, yeah. And then I, I pumped up the uh, budget to over $300. I used the option, um, use the budget as fast as possible. I made the campaign only two weeks long and it didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, it still was just as slow as the other ads. But uh, like you just said, 85% for me, I think it's 70% because we only get 70% of the book, right? Yes. So that was kind of my key number there. And yeah, I got everything below 70%. So theoretically, I mean, I haven't gotten the bill yet, but theoretically I made 
plus or minus zero or a little plus. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, do you uh, – what do you call it? Spend the budget as fast as possible or do you pace them evenly or yeah. – yeah, I would say um, I would have to look at my numbers, and it's been a while mm-hmm. since I reviewed mm-hmm. my ad budget. But yeah. I think it started pretty small. Actually, come to think of it, I should probably go back because I think I said I had like forty dollars a day budget, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which isn't a whole lot. I, nope. I, the stuff that's doing well, I should probably jack that up to like four or five hundred because I know that there's one campaign in particular that's doing really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, from there, I would say starting off, you do want to do the kind of this is very much the fundamentals of paid traffic, but you want to mm-hmm. start small, maybe five to $10, make sure that you're at least having a converting campaign and then start to add more books, more yeah. authors, more keywords, and mm-hmm. just scale it up from there until – and then once you reach that point where they're, they're all doing really well, um, yeah. try to try to spend as much money as you possibly yeah. can because the more money you spend, the more book readers you get. Yeah, I'm really falling in love with them because unlike other things, you have the direct uh, link between sales and spend. So you can see exactly with that ACOS you just mentioned if you're in the plus or minus. And, and you know, with Facebook ads, well, then you have to see, okay, well, how many did I sell on Amazon? And you don't have that direct link. And in Amazon, you have it right there in your dashboard. It tells you right there, you know. And so I'm, I'm really digging Amazon ads. And yeah, I like them. And I'd, I feel that they're probably going to reach a critical mass where it's no longer effective, but you just, mm. you just have to keep on iterating and improving yeah. on what you do. But for now, I, I think they're great. So critical mass, um, you just triggered something else. What about translating your books for other markets, other Amazon markets that aren't as saturated as Amazon.com? I have – actually, that's weird because you, you mentioned I just talked this morning to <laughs> an um, agent who represents uh, books in other markets. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've done this kind of half-assed where mm-hmm. someone approaches me to sell a book in uh, the Czech Republic or mm-hmm. in China, simplified or complex Chinese. I've actually just uh, straight up sold rights, and you can. Huh. I've sold it anywhere from five hundred to four thousand dollars, which is you know it's not a lot of money, but it definitely every little bit helps. Um, but there there is a lot of opportunity. I just find that the translation market is so many small details that hmm. it, it can almost be a distraction from uh, yeah. what you're doing currently. That said, I did strike a deal also with uh, someone who tr- uh, translates my books into Br- Brazilian Portuguese, mm-hmm. and I actually built out a whole funnel just in the, the Portuguese language, and I built like an email list, an opt-in offer. Interesting. Uh, and they're all my Aweber lists, so every time I come out with a new book in mm-hmm. Portuguese, I just have a translated email sent out to them, and they go they go out and download my book and leave reviews. So it so, is possible. It's just a little bit of uh, technical requirements to, to make okay. it happen. So that's Brazil, Amazon, right? But in China, do they have Amazon? No, I, I, China that that would be that would almost be like you're dealing with a traditional publishing company where they just uh-huh. take a the physical book version, mm-hmm. translate it into their language, and then one day you just get money just shows up in your bank account. That's really what <laughs> happened. You sold the rights, a one shot deal, huh? Yeah, it's like a, a one shot deal, and I I kind of look at it as like found money that. Mm. All right, what are, the, what are the odds are I'm actually going to be able to, to sell this for $50,000 in China? It's probably slim to none. So Yeah, I'm wondering, what, though, if you might be kicking yourself in the butt later because how many people – they got over a billion people, and maybe you'll become the hit in China <laughs> and not have well, any cut of it. you know. <laughs> but then I can come out with book number two or book number three. That's, I guess that's the beauty of self-publishing that if yeah. you make a bad deal with one book, just try to present yeah. them with another book. So what about Brazil? Was that a one-shot licensing deal, or it's an ongoing funnel thing? It's it's an ongoing thing. Um, 
it's just a straight up 50 50 50 deal where she okay. will translate the books yeah i'll nice. keep it on my dashboard just because I, I like to control uh mm-hmm. things like that but for the most part she writes all my marketing campaigns mm-hmm. or any uh emails i need to send out or the, the amazon description and, and uh, does a really split, good job yeah and you you split the profit from the book with her yeah, it's split fifty fifty. So just at the end of every month, um, and actually same with my uh, a couple of uh, partners I've written with books. I just mm-hmm. I have my virtual assistant create like a little Excel spreadsheets of all what we earned, what we spent, that sort of thing. So Send how do you check their work? Uh, specifically with the translation partners, we actually pay for a an editor in that mm-hmm. language to edit the book ah, as well, okay, okay. like you would with any other language to make sure that. It's actually what it's supposed to say. And yeah, exactly. I don't, I'm speaking Portuguese, but I assume that an editor will will let me know if something's not right. I just got an offer. Somebody wants to translate one of my books in India, and I say, yeah, that's great, but oh, who am I gonna? How am I gonna check it? You know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So fifty-fifty. Okay, that sounds like a good deal, actually. And uh, for her, for damn sure, huh? <laughs> um, well, no, she she puts all the effort in. I just yeah. I, I just collect the payments. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a great way to go because in um, Spain, Germ- Germany is the second biggest book market and music market in the world. So I'm definitely going to try to go there too. So, and you're doing Brazil and China. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah we, we, I, we, I did try Germany. Um, and actually oh. I just – also today. That's funny. I, I did a lot today. Um, I was talking cool. to one guy. We tried with a couple of books. They didn't really pan out, but neither hmm. one of us – it, we were just both really busy, but we we're starting to really try to make a concerted effort mm-hmm. in October to to push a couple of books. So yeah, yeah, maybe in a couple of months Germany will be will open up again. But um, yeah. it is probably the the number two language next to English right now when it comes Crazy, to digital huh? books. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So who is your favorite author? I'm gonna go with the standard answer that probably most people say is uh, Stephen oh. King. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I love Stephen King. I, I've always I, I've read all his books as a kid, and I, I would say some of the books he comes he's coming out with now they're 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 actually they're they're better than what he used to have because yeah. he's he's off he's off the cocaine he's off the dr- uh, all the drinking <laughs> he did in the eighties and his yeah. books are yeah. tighter and they they flow a lot better than he some of his older books they were just complete stream of consciousness and yeah 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 that's, he needed a good editor back then yeah exactly um, that's one of those things that I'm kind of not so sure about with editors because if you read like Stephen King or a Terry Pratchett, you'll say, Jesus Christ, did he pay his editor? He's not worth a cent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, well, okay, Stephen King, and he's getting better and better, right? Oh, that's cool. oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say um, he had a, a trilogy that was more of a crime mystery type thing. I thought that was pretty good. And mm-hmm. the sequel to um, – why can't I remember the sequel to The Shining, uh, Doctor Sleep. I really like that book. That was ah, okay. a really good one. Yeah. I would say, yeah, most most of this new stuff, at worst, I was like, oh, that's an okay book. That, I would say that's the reaction I've had for mm-hmm. things I've read of his in the last seven or eight years. It's at worst. I'm like, oh, it's not the greatest book, but generally it's, it's worth the money. I'm going to get his audio book then. What's it called? Sleeper? Uh, Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep then. How's your um, experience? Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was about, it's, it's a – it's the child, the one who had the shining ability, and the original one. It's him as an adult, mm-hmm. and kind of that's how they continue the, the story. But it's, it's good. Yeah. I've been reading or, or listening to a lot of audio books. And uh, how's your experience with audio books? Uh, from a sales standpoint, I really like audio books, and 
um, that's part of my process is I'll have someone do the narration for each book that I publish, and mm-hmm. I just do it strictly through ACX. Right. Uh, right. But as far as I um, uh, reading, I just I still prefer regular books on my Kindle, and if I do mm-hmm. listen to something, it's it's almost always podcasts, and I just I like the podcast format over audiobooks. So how are you or are you doing um, uh, a royalty split with the narrator in ACX? No, I I don't think long term that's the best way to go. Uh-huh. Um, I know my numbers. I know that mm-hmm. if I pay a thousand dollars for a narrator, I know I'll eventually get it back, with the exception of one book. Mm-hmm. I, I've always, almost always made my money back, and I just I'm really careful about giving royalty splits unless I absolutely positively have to. Because yeah. you know they say fifty fifty for the rest of your life. The rest of your life is a long time. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um I did that with the book and. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, it's just especially if it's an, a low earning book, it's not worth the what do you call it the the, the bureaucracy with all the PayPal or you know the middleman takes all your money basically. You know. Yeah, I, I, I guess with ACX, do they cut the checks or is it you have to? I, I don't know yeah. because I'm in Germany and I can't do ACX yet. So it's really pissed oh, yeah, me off. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do Pinterest ads. I can't do ACX. I think I'm going to get one of them VPN things so that I can just, you know, make it look like I'm in America. It's a, or I can do it when I'm on vacation visiting America, hopefully. Yeah, you can start an LLC over. I, actually, I don't, I don't know if I want to start giving legal advice. That might be getting me in trouble. With. There are I'm ways not there around that. Anyway. No. <laughs> I'm not that big yet, anyway. So I'll, I'll be calling you though. <laughs> yeah. So, you're right on. So, okay, my favorite off-the-cuff question. If you could eat dinner with anyone, past, present, future, maybe even dead, who would it be? That's a hard one to answer. Um, <laughs> I'll go with uh, George R.R. R. Martin uh, for a awesome. couple of reasons. Um, we're both Giants fans, so mm-hmm. we at least the first part of the conversation, a uh, New York Giants, it's an American football team. Mm-hmm. And we could both talk about the Giants and how they're doing this year and that the fact they won two games and what their prospects are. But then the dinner would get a, probably a little insidious, and I'd probably yeah. uh, <laughs> handcuff him to a chair and make him finish the next goddamn book. It's been five years now. So it would, <laughs> it would be nice at first, but then I'd probably just keep him locked in that room until he finished the next book. <laughs> I don't actually mean that for everyone listening. I'm That's all right. I've never read him. What would you recommend as the first book? Oh, there. That's the um, the Game of Thrones. That's the guy. Oh, who okay. Wrote. Yeah. So, I've been the the super nerd that has started the books back in 1999. Mm-hmm. So it's been 17 years now trying to find an answer to what this whole series is about, and it's gotten <laughs> to the point that the TV show has surpassed the yeah, books. Exactly. Just, exactly. Ah, I wanted I wanted to finish mm-hmm. the damn series, and yeah. I, he does write good books, but it takes him five six years for each mm-hmm. one, and it, it it drives his fans nuts. Yeah, well, you see, I I only know him from the series. I didn't know they were books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're they're amazing books. They're they're probably easily my favorite books. The book so. is always better, isn't it? Yes, the the TV show is quite good. I, I, will, I will, the production value of HBO is awesome, but the books just they're way more in depth. They're, it's a richer uh, world that he sets up. Yeah, world builder. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I I like them shows for sure. That's for sure. I I watch them on the plane. British Airways has them for free, so I I always nice. watch that. Yeah. So, uh, back to your course. Um, you've got you've got the, probably. I mean, I've I've seen most of your stuff, uh, your launch and all of that stuff, and like I said, you're my benchmark. 
So did um, do you have any uh, deal for the ZBooks readers for your course? Uh, yes. Um, we, you and I were chatting beforehand. We can definitely do a hundred dollars off the uh, normal price. And, That's awesome. And truth be told, that actually the course is technically not really being sold right now. It's like a couple wow. of uh, secret ways to get in, but we're actually okay. officially launching in November. But okay. um, if any, anyone's interested, wants to jump in early, just go to authority.pub forward slash Eric. Right on. Uh, just authority.pub forward slash Eric, and um, you can get part of the hundred dollar off and i'll just make sure that um i'll talk to ron and make sure that you guys get uh, that special deal that is so cool steve thanks so much that my is, pleasure i, I mean because that is a pretty uh, high value course and, and it's not you know and that's a good deal thanks <laughs> oh, we try so, our best yeah well i'm i could talk uh for five hours with you but i i will i'll take it easy on you right now and um I would definitely like to reserve a follow-up with you, follow-up podcast someday. No problem. And, uh, because, I mean, every time you answered a question, I had three more. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay. So thanks for coming along. And um, I hope I hope I didn't bore you with the same old questions that everybody else asks you. No, and, they're, they're great questions, interesting ones. Okay. You don't really – when you do a lot of these, you don't really get uh, – yeah unusual out of the left field type of questions good good um what is your website that you want to send everybody to i would say they've they just um they go to that link that we just mentioned before or just authority.pub and you could check out all the different podcast episodes that we have lined up and a, a few other uh pieces of content we do have the um checklist that i mentioned before and that's really yeah. is a checklist i follow every time i uh, go out and publish a book so yeah. just go to authority.pub and authority.pub slash eric so Thank authority.pub so slash Eric to find it, access to the course and authority.pub for just the content. So Anything else, Steve? You want to say anything else to the world? Um, just go out there and take daily action. And the reason I talk about habits is because I am a firm believer of um, doing something every single day. So um, if you if you fully commit to self-publishing, I would recommend writing every single day and finding some, some way to market your books every single day. Thank you so much, Steve. I look forward to talking to you again. And uh, yeah, thanks so much.